0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our conversations on the pod that keeps us talking about the Secret Society of Human Work Advocates and Human Death Fighters. We know it's a long title, but it's um, what keeps us all in the same place. You heard in the jingle, we're trying to always keep this conversation on what's new in the world of technology, people, culture, and um, the fight that we all are having as either preventers or fighters of, of
1: this human death. Hi, yep. again. Yep. And uh thanks for uh being part of this conversation too. I mean, I really enjoy being able to share the vast knowledge that we both have built, you know, to help people address the barriers um and help remove obstacles for pushing this work forward. Because sometimes it can be lonely.
0: It it can, and it, it it's very difficult to um explain. Why terms that other people would would find aspirational are difficult, and I think this is maybe a um, a struggle many professionals have, which which is some that many of us have left family members behind that work maybe quite not quite at the same professional level as us, and it's sometimes that that changes um over time, over our careers, and it's hard to it becomes more and more isolating because the, the responsibilities get um heavier and we end up in places where our our struggle is not as common as it used to be when we were um doing other things. So um we get where you're coming from from multiple points of view. And what we were talking about in the last episode and we'd like to pick up on again um, are the state of the mental health crisis and this idea of trust. Over the last few weeks, um, for those of you who haven't maybe listened to all the episodes and are just joining us in the very middle, we have tried to start um, a compilation of resources, we would say, for human death fighters. In the sense that anyone that's internal in job or external trying to make a better world in any which way, um, or even just people who want to start an enterprise, right? Um, we feel like there's a lot more that needs to be out there in terms of both knowledge and, and, and genuine hands on doings and, and genuine hands on pieces of either software or books or, 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 or work that you can start doing today. We all believe that needs to happen right away. It's imperative and we wanna give you everything we can um, for for free or almost free. And also find a way in which all of us, human debt fighters can amplify each other's voices and, and, and get to a place where collectively as a society, we move the world of work faster. That's what we're doing. It's a big one, we know. But we also know that once you see the size of the human, that you can't look away and you can't just forget it. So we are here to stay. We're here to be doing this for the rest of forever. We beg you to come faster on this journey because the only people that don't shouldn't care about it are people that are just about to retire or are just not um, in, in professions where their that are intellectually based. And if you are listening to this, you're probably not in those categories.
1: But I would actually say, so let, let's hit on that for a second, at least in the US, yes. the highest, uh, the industries with the highest suicide rates, death by suicide, oh. are oil and gas and construction, right? Those are skilled labor, uh, not traditional knowledge workers. So we have a crisis across all levels, across all industries that needs to be addressed. And I think this concept of human debt is really important to think about because it isn't just a point in time. It is about the the gunk that builds up over time. So if we kind of think about a heavy investment in big machinery, you know we have to pull that apart and clean it to make sure it's not dangerous. it doesn't hurt people and it doesn't break down or burn out. So I think, you know, the more we talk about human debt, I think it's helpful to give examples of what we mean when we mm-hmm. say human debt or the kinds of things that are indicative of telling us that we have human debt. So are right. there some things that people could look out for that would tell them that they have this going on in their organization?
0: I always say the best way to know if you have human debt is to read the definition and to listen to yourself. Do you go, damn. Because if you recognize it and you go, you can resonate with it, chances are there's a lot of it and it's in already imprinting itself on your day-to-day life in the sense that I don't know many organizations that are devoid of any human debt. To be very clear, there are, most companies have built some, even those that have started from good foundations and even those that were startups or even those that started from people-centric cultures and with a lot of money. Everyone can and will build human debt that doesn't keep a keen and and regular eye on their human work. It's that simple. And the examples that you were asking for are a lot more um, common than we expect. We all feel when we have um, office politics, which is uh, endearingly considered office politics, but it's practically a collection of of potentially problematic and toxic behaviours. When we have lack of empathy and humanity in a team or in an organisation, you immediately feel it. We all immediately feel it. It has direct consequences on our feeling of well-being and our implicit mental health quotient and measurements of any kind all of these things start being very easy to feel but we equally don't know exactly where they started as mere employees if we are to look at them from an academic perspective we want to look down the 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 rung of how did they acquire we can start seeing times when these lack of trust episodes have happened in organizations this is what you are talking about in the last episode which these episodes when when the 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 the, the the initial agreement we had with this organization has been broken. We have come to this organization with the presumption that we will give it the skills we have, and in exchange for it, we will receive compensation. But that compensation is not um, necessarily material directly. That compensation is an element of respect, an element of value, an element of well being that we have failed our people in, right? So we haven't been as efficient keeping people secure, safe. Um, in in a sense of well-being, in a trusting environment, in a in an um, empathic team where they feel seen, valued, and understood, we haven't done those things right. Sometimes because the organization was dumb. Sometimes because they cut corners. Sometimes they didn't have the money. Sometimes the the change of guard was too quick and nobody picked up that particular project on DNI anymore. Sometimes the tide has turned and the world is moving on and you haven't quite landed that one um, win for the for the people department. And this is one of those times in the history of the workplace, whether you are a, a skilled laborer or 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 in the in the knowledge industry, it's the same time, which is. It's the moment where we question if the ways in which we work are fit for purpose today. And they aren't anymore. We need a lot more in the way of human skills across the board, everywhere. We need to look at each other with human eyes and go, right, how do we learn emotions? How do we learn empathy? How do we learn communication? How do we learn how to make things faster afterwards? That's where we are, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that I want to kind of circle back to on that is this um, sense that uh, we can avoid human debt, which, look, as humans, we make mistakes, right? We are flawed. And so as a leader, you are going to make mistakes, right? Well, that joke, that's not going to work. Most of us us are flawed, but (laughs) So, so the expectation that you will be able to do it perfectly every time is uh, perhaps what might be getting you in the way, getting in the way of you being the best possible leader you can be, because uh, we feel like a flaw um, means that somehow we failed rather a flaw as an opportunity to um, better understand the needs of others. Uh, uh, one of these actions of potentially creating human debt isn't about let's not create it, which we know we're going to, but what can we put into place to monitor when it happens and address it uh, and, and to learn from it? So it's uh when we say preventers of human debt, you know, to me that looks like equipping people on acknowledging what it is, what it looks like, and also not just from a behavior perspective, what are our processes and ways of working? that create this human debt, like create this noise. Do we have a culture of, you know, always being on Slack and having to respond every every moment? Do we have a lack of role clarity so people are bumping into each other or doing double work? Like there are specific ways of working that also create that human debt. And that's one way that we can be more, I don't know, fully able to prevent it, but definitely mitigate it and decrease the risk and harm that it creates. I think it's
0: really important that we think of one, what it contains, but not necessarily how we've created it, because to me, it's very clear. Everything that should have been done, if you can name 10 projects that were a big thing, a big priority for HR in the last 20 years, those are the things that didn't quite land. So I don't think we can pick one to say... You know attrition. We no longer have a problem with that. That's fine for us. Or um, you know, kind of, I don't know, employee well-being. We sorted of that. Our employees are well and being. Um, <laughs> it's, it's none of those things that we can. And, and and none of us in this conversation believe that those things were once and done, mm-hmm. right? But I do think that we have done an incredibly poor job of driving that to the business. And instead of saying to the business, you know how you expect people to do. Regular work on operational things, and you know how you expect people to do regular work on technical things and on admin things. You have to expect people to do regular work on themselves and on their team. And when that is the expectation, you then give them the tools, you give them the, the the support, you give them the I don't know money, the time, and the appreciation and the thanks for it, and then people will do it. And then once you have taught your people how to take care of themselves, have a practice of human work then you can um feel like your enterprise is going but the the mere um audacity of thinking that your life will just happen by miracle in terms of this the most important of 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 components the human component is staggering and it will just not take you further this is the moment where the chips are down if we remain of the opinion that our work ways are fit for purpose and our way of excluding emotion is correct. We will not be here as enterprises in the next few years, simply because in this day and age, that is not an assumption that data supports will hold water. You will not be here as an enterprise at all if you do not start creating a genuine people-centered culture and not a lip service um, moment in your enterprise.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the, there's data on this that these high stress burnout cultures um, are not uh, sustainable and are two times more likely to go bankrupt. So if that's how you've built your business, um, that's not going to scale uh, for the long term. But right? let's
0: be honest, who who, honestly, which exec
1: will tell you, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're burning people out. It's not a problem. I'm actually, like, I actually, mean, most of them would probably believe that they're not, right? Like if you look at the data and this is where we get into this conundrum we talked about last time. If you look at the data of, Uh, executives who believe that they're investing in well-being and that people are in a good place versus what people see as far as the investment and where they are there is a huge discrepancy Um, and i think this is also the tone deafness around the return to work uh, mindset you know i I had a conversation with the leader last week at a program and he was saying well i need people to return to work because i need to make sure that they're getting the job done and i'm like if that's how you manage," they're not doing well. <laughs> this is, as you know, it's one of my, my big
0: bugbears, the idea of, of command and control and and how much of a leadership um, crisis we are traversing in the workplace where no one has been either trained or, or expected to be delivering anything in the human side of things when that is their only day job. And when we have plucked people from being specialists and, and technologists and made them into line managers and expected them to to do things that would require a lot more knowledge and training than that, it's no surprise we have created an, an, an environment where no one thrives. So all of these big concepts, trust. What does it mean to work individually versus in a team? What does it mean to work individually in a team versus this organization? Um, And then what are the elements that you can grab on to as very quickly levers of change? Those are things we should all be 100% clear on. The fact that there is so much uh, um, dissipate, opinion in our world, let's put it elegantly, is not helping us. What happens? We said this over and over again. um, We have execs more confused than ever, not positively sure who to believe, whether or not the people that are telling them it's fine to insist on RTO and to forget all of this, the human moment are are right. Or is it the ones that are telling them they're going to be facing a grinder level revolt they don't know what to believe, but they don't know what to believe. Let's not excuse execs because they don't know what to believe because they are unwilling to be courageous about having an opinion on these topics. They are not unknowledgeable. It's not like no one needs to necessarily read more or just have one more report. We know what we know. And these things are common sense. These rules of don't be a dick in with your humans are common sense, right? You don't need to have read more. You do need to make a stance. You need to be more courageous. You need to be more, even more. And we know it's a big thing to ask of execs that have been consistently putting themselves out there. Let's face it. No one makes it, most people don't make it to the top of a company without having been super smart, super hardworking, super passionate at some point. But we are talking to the people that are tired. They have keep fatigue. They don't care anymore. They don't care about this fluffy bit anymore. We are barely surviving. It's a recession. We cannot be silly and talk about the fluff think about it because you know it's wrong and you know it's not the truth and have the courage to drive the right agenda.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the simple questions that I ask, uh, when I have these conversations with, uh, executives, uh, it doesn't really matter what level is when did you do your best work? When did you do your best work? And, uh, to the person, the answer is usually or uses the word I felt, I felt trusted. I felt empowered. I, I, I felt challenged. I felt it is not. I had a title. I got paid. Right. Um, And so just if we know that, like you said, this is common sense. If we know that to be true, then what's in the way of preventing people from doing their best work? So one of the things that we're focused on here, though, is helping people remove these barriers, not just pointing to them and, and, um, and leaving it at that. So what are some ways that you've seen? Organizations make that mental leap. Executives make that mental leap to actually clicking in and seeing that this is a problem for their business.
0: I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, We have seen, first of all, I I know you know, but maybe some of the listeners don't. I um, run a company making software for teams. And in these many years of of doing research on how to do that most efficiently so that these teams are most performing and can build psychological safety, um, one of the things we've done consistently was attempt to always check whether... Um, this this should be a product for the team leader or the team or them together or the individual versus the group. It's always a, a consideration to us. And um, we always wanted to give and still very much want to give um, people resources, right? So we're, we're very um, keen on on offering everything anyone would need so that they are in charge of their, their 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 human work, right? And the reason I'm telling you this is because um, we've seen a couple of companies with using it in very innovative ways. And when they have done that, I've always went back to say, what were you trying to achieve? And then I, I've come up with, I've, I've found out things that would have otherwise not occurred to me. For instance, there's this one company that has, Um, bought a few licenses. They were having, I don't know, a few tens of teams. I'm not quite sure how many. Um, And several of these teams were doing great and several were not. And um, our coaches went in, had a couple of sessions and conversations with them. And then um, I came into a couple of meetings and it then became, at some point, apparent to us that, Some of these teams were always having the same scrum master or team leader uh, leading the session, whereas three of these teams were always passing the button and changing the team leader position, between them. So the person that was sharing the screen and encouraging the conversation about the feelings and the and the emotions was always changing, no less because in our software, there's a step-by-step way of doing this that anyone could, could lead. So if my, my 12-year-old son could be easily leading one of these team moments, right? So we always wanted to make them easy, but it always never occurred to us that it's possible for them to be used in common. So what they were doing when I went to ask why they were doing this was uh, there, this was an incredibly intelligent chief people officer who was attempting to show their um top execs what the meaning of facilitation of and servant leadership was which was I just want these people to take responsibility for moving a conversation and I want them to have uh, that experience shared between them so nobody is necessarily in charge of the team we are all sharing this common accountability of doing something for ourselves and and that alone will 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 show them what it means to do something for others what it means to facilitate what it means to be owner of that changing of behavior and it will instill a sense of of um, of, of um, servant leadership. So they were using it in a completely different way that never occurred to me. But that is a person that had the, the the mind, the eye to know what was missing deeply in that organization and find a way to show it. And story has it that when the execs saw it, they have asked that to continue. I see that happening. Do we know that that has completely moved the needle? No, but we know it moved the needle of showing that exacts what exactly they meant by participation, accountability, belonging, and and moving the teamwork.
1: I love that story. Thank you for that. So as we ask people to join us on our weekly discussion, right, these are the kinds of stories we'll be sharing. We're sharing data, we share uh, insights, and also we just laugh a lot uh, on our show
0: maybe not today, because we didn't quite understand how this LinkedIn thing worked. Um, If you guys try to talk to us live, clearly we haven't been quite able to respond. Uh, We'll do it afterwards. And um, we don't know if it was boring or not. And I'm sure it was a lot more boring for our poor listeners to listen about this live on LinkedIn. But if you did listen, um, and you would like to participate to the next one, maybe we'll even be able to um, keep to a certain hour. But if not, you it. can find us online as ever as www.techletculture.com technology if you want to grab yourself a piece of software that will help you move faster or um, slash pods and ideas so that you read more about the ways in which we give free resources to human death fighters and human work advocates. Talk to you next week. Thanks, bye. Bye.